Yesterday, I uh, closed our chapel service by beginning to speak about a great battle. And it is a battle that we are involved in, or should be involved in, every one of us. Scripture is plain, isn't it? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is fought. The battle is fought on our knees as we pray. Our battle is fought as we go out with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and preach the gospel to those that are lost. That's where our battle is fought. We put on the armor of God and we engage the enemy. And much of the battle, I believe, today, and I believe it's always been this way, revolves around children. Even when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, one of the compromises that Pharaoh offered to, that, to Moses at that time was, just you that are men that are go, just the men go. Let the kids stay behind. And they said, no, we're, we're all going. Our God has commanded us all to go. It's always just the, just the men go. When you, you've seen those shirts that say, you know, this, this shirt would be illegal in this many countries. And always when you go to those kind of countries, even when some can worship, it's never the kids. The kids are not allowed to worship in those countries. It's the adults that are allowed to worship. I close the service by giving you a quote from uh, Lenin, the Soviet leader, right after the Russian Revolution, who said, give me your children for four years, and the seed that I plant in their hearts will never be uprooted. And we have, a, we have a great seed, don't we? We have a living seed, the living Word of God. And we need to plant that seed in the hearts of kids. And the enemy does everything that he can, everything in his power to stop us from doing so. Just, just, just for an example, in the United States now, we can be in every public elementary school in the country with the gospel. That came about in 2001. There was a little good news club in the state of New York who was meeting in a public school. And the school district of that, that area, the state of New York, eventually got involved in that suit and they said you can't be in the public school because of separation of church and state. And that case with that little good news club went all the way to the Supreme Court. And if you can kind of imagine that, a good news club versus the state of New York. That's David and Goliath. That's what that is. A good news club versus the state of New York. I mean, a good news club is just taught by a teacher, a volunteer that is there with a little crew, usually a lady, and there's 15 or 20 kids dependent upon uh, the size of the school. But good news clubs versus the state of New York. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor of good news clubs. And now we can be in every public school it's called the, an equal access law. In other words, if the Boy Scouts can be there and they have to pay rent, then we can be there and we have to pay rent. If the Boy Scouts can be there and they don't have to pay rent, then we can be there and we don't have to pay rent. But however it works for anyone else, that's how it works for Good News Clubs. And so right now in the state of Maine, we're conducting Good News Clubs in about 70 schools. Who did I talk to yesterday? April is doing one of those clubs. Where's April? Right, right there. You're right. You're, you're in the school. In, is it Holton? Hodgton. Hodgton. Yeah. 
there are a lot of people that don't want us in those schools. And, and the battle is constant. Uh, Liberty Council, out of Liberty University, Matt Staver is the director of Liberty Council. They, uh, they do all of our cases for free. And, and it, it's a constant battle to stay in those schools, to keep those schools open. But, but I expect that. That's, that's the world. And the one who is the prince of this world, he's opposed to us. He's always opposed to us. That's who we wrestle against. So you expect that kind of battle. But you know what our biggest battle is? There, there are 450 or so public schools right now, elementary schools in the state of Maine, and we're in 70 of those schools. Do, do you know why we're not in 400 of those schools? Why would you suppose we're not in 400 of those schools? Why are we only in 70 of those schools? The harvest truly is plenteous, but what? But the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. People, people lament and complain, at least in the USA, they have for years about this woman, Madeline Murray O'Hare. Do, do any of you remember who Madeline Murray O'Hare is? Yeah, yeah, some of you are saying yes. Years ago when I was back in school, she, uh, she went to the Supreme Court also and she had uh, the Lord's Prayer taken out of the public school system, you know, because of separation in church, church and state. And so we, we're continually lamenting Madeline Murray O'Hare and the day that God was taken out of the schools and the great, great detriment that is to, to our culture and our nation. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. But don't you think it's time we stopped lamenting that and went into the schools? We ought to stop lamenting what somebody did years ago and we ought to go into the schools. But we're not in those schools because no one's going. <laughs> no one's going. The, the, the harvest is plenteous. One of, our, one of your, your students, uh, Jesse Lofton, we've spoken of Jesse. She graduated just a couple of years ago from the fourth year program. She's on our staff and she does a... Well, she doesn't do it, but it's in her area. There's a group of volunteers that do a good news club in the school in Machias, East Machias. And if you're familiar with East Machias, I mean, it's just a little community, East Machias. There are 65 kids that go to that good news club in that public school in East Machias. It's the largest club in our state. In East Machias, 65 kids. And they, they've, got a, they've got a team of people that go in there and they share the gospel, they teach the word of God on a weekly basis to those kids. And most of them don't come from Christian homes. They're kids that would not hear the word of God otherwise. And then, then Jesse just graduated from our Children's Ministries Institute out in Morton, Missouri. And uh, she was so excited because she's going back and one of the first things she's going to do for teacher training for those folks. She's been doing some with another one of our workers, been helping her. But one of the first things that she was going to do is that uh, there's been no one, I don't think, that has come to the Lord, at least as far as I know, in that good news club because the teacher said, well, we don't know how to do that. And so Jesse is all excited because she's going she's gonna to be there and she's going to be doing teacher training for them. She's already done it on how to lead a child to the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be in all of those schools. 
The, the, the devil is winning those little battles. I know he's not going to win the war, but he's winning those little battles for the souls of kids because most of us are not even in the battle. Most Christians don't even understand that we're in an epic battle, a great warfare with a ruthless, heartless enemy. Remember, I, I closed chapel yesterday with that verse of Scripture from the book of Judges, chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formally known it. We need to teach our, this generation of believers that we are in a battle and this is how you go about conducting yourself in a battle. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Endure hardship or hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has not placed us and kept us here so that we can have a life of ease and a lot of fun and multiply our toys and our lands and our homes and all of that. God has kept us here for a purpose. God has a purpose for my life. He has called me to serve Him. He has placed me where, where He wants me. He's chosen me for ministry and ordained me that I should go and bring forth fruit. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I'm so thankful he's placed me in children's ministry. And I believe he's called a lot more to children's ministry also who just don't come. They just don't come. Children's ministry, I mean... Anyone can teach kids, can't they? I mean, that's, that's not where it's at. Well, what's, the, what's, the great, what's the great ministry that everybody wants to be involved in? What's the exciting ministry? What's the ex- it's teens, college age, you know. We, we all want, that's, that's the exciting ministry. I've got a little thing from Barna here that, this is what he, this is what he says. It says, teens and adults have little chance of accepting Christ as their Savior. The probability of accepting Christ is highest among kids under 14. And I know these are statistics, and we don't, we don't operate according to statistics. You know, we share the gospel. We, we share the gospel with people of all ages, knowing that, that God can save, and God does save people of all ages. But the great probability is that most of you, raise your hand if you came to the Lord before you were 14 or younger. Raise your hand, 14 or younger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's where the great, the great majority come to know him at 14 or younger. And my, if our enemy can get us concentrating on others instead of that age group... Then with all kinds of lies, kids can't really understand. Caleb, how old were you when you came to know the Lord? Nine years old. Did you really get saved at nine years old? Yeah. Didn't understand like you understand today, but you really got saved at nine years old. I mean, kids get saved at nine years old. And if we could just grab a hold of that, 
and put our effort and our energy and our resources into children's ministries. And, and not necessarily child evangelism fellowship. My, I'd rejoice if this whole student body said, uh, John, I'd like to sign up for child evangelism fellowship someplace in the world. You know, that would be wonderful. But I, we've got Sunday schools. You can go back to your Sunday schools. Teach kids. Teach kids well. You can go back and do Awana. Pioneer clubs. I mean, there's all kinds of ways of reaching kids today. These are, the, these are the probabilities. Based on a nationwide representative sampling of more than 4,200 young people and adults, the survey data show that people from ages 5 to 13 have a 32% probability of accepting Christ. 5 to 13. 32% probability. So you share the gospel with a group of kids, 5 to 13, a third of them are going to come to know the Lord. Just according to statistics. Young people from the ages of 14 through 18 have just a 4% likelihood. 4%. You, you share the gospel with a group of people, 14 to 18, 4% of those folks come to know the Lord. 32% come to know the Lord when you share the gospel with kids. And when you accept the Lord Jesus at nine years old, do you stay saved, Caleb? You do, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, only adults have eternal security or teenagers have eternal security. Kids have eternal security. When a child makes a decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, then they are born again at that moment, born into God's family. They have passed from darkness into light, from death to life. And then, if you go... Ages 19 through death, only 6% have probability of making that choice. And so we're in a great battle. And the battle rages around those, those kids. And we don't know how to go about being in the battle. We're just oftentimes off the sideline doing this and doing that when, when, there are, when there are kids that are waiting and I know it's not like in some places. I mean, I've been to Africa on a few occasions. And you go to Africa and you stand there and you start to sing like you folks were doing today and clap your hands and pretty soon there are hundreds of kids that have come to hear. It's not like that in our country. My. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that I, I have to stop going just because they don't flock by the thousands. I've got to go out and reach those kids. And I've got to challenge others to reach those kids. I, I pray that our churches would be places, once again, where kids are being reached on a regular basis. Sunday school classes open to kids. You think about where you go to church. And you think about who goes to Sunday school. And probably the only kids in Sunday school are the ones that come with their parents or their grandparents. That, that's the great probability. In many ways, the enemy has just blinded our eyes and calloused our hearts towards the need of children. After all, they're just kids. Can they really understand? And after all, they're just kids. They have a long time, don't they? No, they don't. No, they don't. 
have a long time. They get past the age of 14 years old and not many of them are going to come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior. Not many at all. And all along the way, their lives are being destroyed by this enemy. I, I'm, I'm, I love working at camp. I've learned a lot working at camp. I've, I've met thousands of kids over the years. This is, a, this is a letter. This little girl is eight years old. This is a letter from the lady that gets a bunch of kids to camp for us. And I'll just call her Susan. Susan's mom has abandoned her as of the last two weeks. So she may be a little homesick. I mean, she's eight years old. She's eight years old. And her mom has decided that life is not good with her daughter. So get some siblings and so off she goes and uh, you, you know you never used to hear things like that did you who always was the one that left who always was the one that left years ago if one was going to leave who was it were you saying it yeah no the dad the dad the dad yeah boy is he really asking me that question right now and i've just been kind of zoning out here and you know yeah <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) Yes, the dad. But not anymore. Now you hear that the mom leaves. I meet all kinds of kids whose mom has left them. What's a characteristic of the age? It's a lack of natural affection. It's the kind of of affection, I mean, you know, as I said, I've got seven grandchildren and my, when they're f- first born, you know, oh, I don't like to hold them then. And so, <laughs> I mean, you could drop them. I like to wait until they're old enough to wrestle with on the floor, you know. For I, but have you ever have you ever watched? I don't care how old. I mean, I've got a granddaughter that's eleven. I mean, when. Her younger brother was born. I mean, she just knows what to do. I mean, she's not afraid. At at that age, they're not... I mean, God just gives that to women, doesn't he? Little girls all the way through. And that's natural affection. You just see it. They know how to be moms. God made them that way. And now they're leaving their kids. Now they're leaving their kids. And, and, And lives are being destroyed. Dads leave their kids... This one says uh, she lives with her dad and Nana. She has a few good friends there at camp who can help her along. Don't hesitate to call me if she gets real homesick and needs to talk to someone. You know those are the kids that get more homesick than anyone else. Those are the ones that get more homesick than anyone else. It's because they're away and who knows what in the world could be happening at home when I'm not there to see. This one was written to me from a mom, Mr. Romano. I hope it's okay that, and I'll just call him Mike, not his name. I hope it's okay that Mike came early. I'm working all weekend, and I wanted to make sure he got there. It's been a tough year for Mike. I've been having a lot of problems with him at home. I'm at work most of the time, and when I'm gone, he does what he wants. I would hope he follows the rules while at camp. If he has trouble, could you let me know? 
Um, you know what? You know what Mike's great difficulty is in Mike's case? It's his dad that's gone. I mean, his dad just decided, I, I uh, love this woman more than I love my wife and my kids, and so off I, off I go. This is a letter from a camper to a prayer partner. Thank you for praying for me. This year I can't go swimming because I, uh, I broke my thumb playing tetherball, but I'm having fun. Uh, this year I told God to take my whole life. Last year I asked him into my heart. When I go to the candy shop, I still play tetherball. She's not supposed to. <laughs> I'm having family problems. My brother Josh ran away from home. I miss him a lot. Well, I have to, got to go. P.S. right soon. I can't... I mean, when she says I'm having family problems, that's a... Family problems is two words for a miserable life at home. Dear prayer partner, the thing I enjoyed most about camp was when I had swim class. That was because they helped me to do things I have never done before. Thank you for praying for me because God helped me to overcome my problem with my sister being pregnant and all that happened to me when I was little. That's from a little boy. And we have an enemy that destroys lives. I mean, he destroys lives. Some of you may know that firsthand. He's tried to destroy your life and maybe the same way. And we work with kids. This, this one was from a little girl. And it's interesting. I'm going to read her letter and then I'm going to read her brother's letter. Um, Dear prayer partner, the thing I enjoyed most about camp was swimming. I will be going to the bookstore. Uh, Our cabin held a bug hunt. Thank you for praying for me because God helped me to not be homesick. He helped me to know he always hears my prayers. Another little girl that was struggling with homesickness. This is from her brother. He's 12 years old. She's 9 years old. Dear prayer partner, I'm 12 years old. I am 5 feet inches and 1 half. I heard that we were having prayer partners, so I am praying for him or her. What is your name? I am going, I am doing, or should be doing, but I'm going things I like to do. I like to play volleyball, I like baseball, basketball, ice skating, and kickball. I like to play punch ball, tetherball. If you pray for me, please pray for mom, because she's sad, because my parents are divorced. He has, he spells divorced, he's 12 years old now, he spells divorced, D-E-V-I-R-E-S, devires. He sure understands what it means. He sure knows the heartache of it. Can't even spell it, but knows the heartache of it, you know. And my dad, his dad is a cocaine dealer. And my dad has all the money and acts like a hotshot. I mean, this is a 12-year-old boy. He, he, he can see his dad. He said, and my dad has all the money and acts like a hotshot. He calls him a hot shoot here, S-H-O-O-T. And my mom cries. And my baby brother is sick very bad. Please write back and pray for me. He gives you a pretty good indication of what home is. And his little sister says, pray for me because I'm homesick and I don't want to be. I mean, what's happening there? What's happening there when I'm not there to see and make sure that everything is all right? I've got a whole sheaf of letters here. And almost every one of these, almost every one of them, and, and I've got hundreds of them. 
almost every one of them in this little group right here talks about a family that is divorced. You, you know that that's one way that the enemy is destroying the lives of our kids. And, and I will tell you this, that uh, psychologists, secular psychologists and Christian psychologists both will tell you that it is tougher for a child to lose a parent by divorce or separation than it is to lose a parent by fill, fill in the blank. By what? By death. It's harder to lose a parent by divorce or separation than it is to lose a parent by death. Can you imagine? I mean, there are heartbroken, struggling kids out there. And they need to know that God loves them. They need to know that the Lord Jesus gave his life on the cross for them. They need to know that they are made in his image. They need to hear his promise that I will never leave thee nor yet forsake thee. They need to know that and we need to tell them and we are blinded to that in the church at large. I, this, is, this, this, uh, this letter was given to me. Uh, there was a man that was a good friend of CEF just recently died and and this person wrote this letter to his family. But this is one of the things he wrote in it. He said, I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for having a positive influence on my life. They're talking to the family of the man who died. As a new Christian being saved at a child evangelism fellowship booth at the Windsor Fair. I mean, I, I, I never knew this man. There are... There are thousands of kids that go through our chapel on wheels at the fairs all over the state of Maine and they hear the gospel. And some of them make decisions for Christ. And we try our best to follow up on them, but that's a difficult ministry, that ministry of follow-up, although we give it our best effort. This man, though, I mean, we didn't follow up on this man. But he said, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for having a positive influence on my life. As a new Christian being saved at a child evangelism fellowship booth at the Windsor Fair, they made sure, this is what we do, they made sure to direct me to a good church. So we give them the names of churches in the area. And he gives the name of that church. And then he talks about how how as a young boy of 13 years old, he uh, came to that church and some man took him under his wing and helped him along and and he's just thankful for it. That, that's what we could be doing. That's what we should be doing. And yet, we are not. And when we miss this generation of kids, when we miss them, and we, we, we reached maybe 10,000 children in the state of Maine last year through Child Evangelism Fellowship Ministries, and that's reaching kids with a direct gospel presentation, teaching them the Word of God face-to-face in some ministry. And then a few thousand more just through literature distribution. But that's not 10% of them. That is not even 10% of the kids. And there's only 3.9% or so that end up in church or Sunday school on a Sunday. And so who's reaching all of those kids? Our enemy is. Our enemy is reaching those kids with his message of evolution, with his message of destruction and and death. He's the one reaching those kids. Well, I I, I failed to mention yesterday, I know I need to close, I heard the bell. Uh, But 
I'm not here just to speak in the, in the chapels. I, uh, I've talked to a few of you that I know. But if you're interested at all in children's ministries, I would be interested in talking to you about children's ministries. There are ministry openings in CEF all over the world. All over the world. And there's a great need all over the world. And if you're just interested in ministry at your church, I would be glad to talk to you and pray with you about children's ministries. Thank you and the Lord bless you.